Hey, Augmenters. I'm Julie. And I'm Jimmy. And we believe authentic, connected relationships are the key to growing to your potential. Today, we are joined by Susie Tomanchuk, consultant, speaker, and master negotiator, and the author of The Art of Everyday Negotiation Without Manipulation. Augmenters is a leadership podcast about people sharing how mentors have helped them become experts and how their expertise will help you in your next mentoring relationship. Julie and I have found one consistent theme across all great leaders. Each and every one has a great mentor. Today, we have three takeaways from our conversation with Susie. You will learn how to connect more authentically with others by remembering that negotiation is not a dirty word. It's just something we all need to understand how it works. Number two, you will grow to your potential by realizing that everything is a negotiation. In the end, negotiation is just leverage, utilizing planning and empathy. And lastly, this whole episode relates to the Augmenter's principle number four, the pitch. Here we go. Susie Tomanchuk, welcome to Augmenters. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm great. I'm so happy to be here and just excited about having a dialogue with you guys. Well, we are so excited. And Susie, I love your point of view. Susie is a negotiator. Susie is a master negotiator. She is a speaker. She's a consultant. She's an author of The Art of Everyday Negotiation Without Manipulation. Yes. She is a mom of three daughters, has incredible experience, and we are so happy to have you here with us today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, it's a privilege to be here, so thank you. Awesome. Awesome. So as kind of one of our main warm-up questions that we ask, just to get to know you a little bit better, our guests often tell us that mentors are people who believed in them before they believed in themselves. So who was that for you? And what did they, what did they believe in you? Oh, that's so good. Gosh, I look back on, uh, on a few. And funny enough, the one that's really coming to me was my, my ex-husband. It's so funny. And when I was in college, like I, I wasn't great at all the tests and everything. And so that, that the data kept coming back that, you know, you're not very smart. And he really believed in me and kind of allowed me to see where, where my space was. And I really appreciated that. He was actually, a, he is a software engineer. And so he's really brilliant. And so that coming from him. So I think sometimes when I think about mentors and people, it's, and I, this really, I think about this too, as, a, as an executive coach is sometimes people say things to you or vice versa that are so meaningful and impactful. And so you should always be on because you never know when something's going to land and stay with somebody forever. And so I definitely think people around us are, are the cedars for our puzzle pieces that create kind of our value and our confidence. I love that. Was there something he said to you specifically? Was there any kind yeah. of like phrase that you remember? Well, I remember reading like a textbook out loud to him just because he was helping me study. And um, he said, you know, you're really smart. You're really like, he was able to kind of, even though every you're getting this doubt data from people, like things around you, you're really smart. And it would just, it, it sound, I know that sounds so simple. I haven't thought about this for so long. I don't know that just that piece of confidence I needed to hear to go, I'm just, I'm smart in a different way than, than others might expect from me. So I very much relate to that, Susie. I had a very similar experience. I spent you a lot did? of time getting a lot of inputs that I did not <laughs> have a lot of intelligence, but somewhere along the way I did, I did, I did hear it from others in a way that I finally heard it. And then I believed it in myself. So yeah. it's really incredible to have that, yeah. um, that gift. Yeah. So how did you get into negotiations? Yeah. Well, did it involve the ex-husband? Or <laughs> that's where my mind went. Good question. Yeah. That in. That's a hell of a second question, Julie. <laughs> you know, I'm an open book and you can tell that already, right? Well, early in my career, I worked for a pretty big company and they needed somebody to do the deals. Everything had been kind of family owned 
And so that needed to be broken apart and really put together contracts and put some rigor around the services that we were providing. And so that grew into, oh gosh, she can close deals. Um, she's great with relationships and they happen to be high technology deals that we were talking millions of dollars of sending content to satellites. And so just, just by the definition of the deals that I was doing, it was with really high up people because those were big numbers. And so I started just having to learn how to and pretend that I knew what I was doing. I was, I found, I found success, but then I was like, oh my gosh, I better like study a little more and, and, and realize. And I think what I started recognizing is outside of that boardroom, when you're in a negotiation, it was happening around me with my peers and, and people in the hallways of my everyday existence. And then of course, at home with my, my three girls that you negotiation is just about being thoughtful about the way you pursue the things that you want. It's all about relationships. And so just from there, it kind of grew into, gosh, this is such a powerful tool. And I really believe that. And so that's kind of where it came from. And somebody said to me, I was coaching this woman. She goes, you should write a book. And I'm not even that much great reader. I'm not like a writer. I was just, I'm just like kind of one of those people that go, oh, there's a challenge in front of me. Let's try it. And then COVID came and the hardest part about writing a book is finishing it because you're just so tired of yourself. Yeah. And I, my daughter goes, just, you know, mom, spend two hours a day and finish your book. And so it's been just such a gift because it allows me to talk to people about how they can advocate for their careers, for themselves. And it, it's been fun. So people of uh, at least my generation or maybe, you know, uh, males with aspirations beyond their abilities, we think about the book or the, sorry, the movie, The Negotiator. Remember mm -hmm. that movie with Kevin Spacey and Samuel Jackson? Yes. Yes. And that I'm guessing is not uh, part of your definition of negotiation, <laughs> uh, especially without manipulation. And I've, you know, I've done a little bit of research and trying to define those two words for myself. Ju Julie will know, like, I like to play with words quite a bit. And, you know, there are definitions, like I understand Merriam-Webster exists, but I try to like relate them to, to me. And like, negotiation almost without taking it in, it was like it was really more of a co collaborative experience where you got to know the other party better yeah or manipulation you would almost the term that kept that stuck in my head is coerce like there was something that you there would be a, a force involved it's almost like a rock in a hard place yeah and the the movie the negotiator is all about rocks and hard places there's yeah. nothing about really getting to know each other better so i i'm What's your definition of those two words and yeah, and, and how does that relate to the people involved? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to take it just a little angle. Is sure, that yeah, yeah. I really thought about not saying the word negotiation because we all have this relationship with it in a different way. And sometimes people will go, well, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not going to negotiate. And, but we yet we all know it's a really important skill that we will need some time. So we tend to want to go, you know, I have YouTube. I'll just YouTube something the night before a high stakes negotiation. I'll be good. You know, like that's what we want to do. We kind of, kind of want to put it on the shelf. And I thought about calling it influence and all the things that, that are a part of it, but I just wanted to kind of hit it on the head and change that relationship with negotiation and see it in like every day and have people use it. I've, I've talked to hundreds of people in what their experiences, people that negotiate every day and, and I, it just really struck me that it just happened to be men that would go, well, I negotiate with my boss and I negotiate with my wife. And, and then some of the women I would talk to would just go, would not like, oh, I don't like to negotiate, you know. And um, <laughs> All the women would say that they manipulate their boss and manipulate yeah, their boss. Right. <laughs> Nobody wants to be that guy. Yeah. Nobody wants to be associated to what that means to them. So to me, it is really relationship oriented, that negotiation. To me, negotiations is, is a tool. It's to think about being prepared. How, you, how am I going to frame my ask? How can I be really clear about where I'm going? How do you practice silence? You know, we listen the least to the people that are around us the most because we're so used to their cadence and what they say and what their answers will be. If we insert silence on an everyday basis, that kind of interrupts that pattern. 
And so like, to me, I'm like, I say that and I'm like, wow, does that make us better humans to think about silence in a way that gets those other people's thoughts out. So you know what they're thinking, but at the same time, it, it really allows you to be present in the moment and be thoughtful about both parties. That's how I look at it. Um, and there's always an aspect of manipulation, but being aware of that changes. Well, I think it. a couple of things. One, it makes me think our kids' generation, Susie, are, are your daughters are a little bit older than mine, but they are very savvy to manipulation. I believe mm-hmm. the term gaslighting and, uh, you mm-hmm. know, they really know when they are being manipulated and something is not right. So I think in terms of really having that collaborative approach to helping get a win-win or get to a decision, it's going to be more and more important. But it makes me think also a bit of mentoring, right? As you talked a little bit about this pause in a conversation and that part of a role of a mentor is to help the mentee really see themselves and how they are in a situation. Oftentimes mentees come to mentors and say, hey, I'm having this negotiation with my boss. How do I get the job I want? I'm, you know, negotiating for a job. How do I advocate? What kind of advice do you have for mentors and how they can work with their mentees as they're looking to uh, move into some kind of negotiations? Ask questions and get them to really think about how, you know, it's, it's all about understanding the interests of the other party. It's about being really clear where you're going. And so helping them get really clear about what's important to them and even asking, okay, so what's getting in your way? Why are you nervous? What What is that? What was happening to you? How is that person going to react? Let's think about all the different things that could happen and prepare for that. And so that, that increases your confidence because you have, you know, the whole point is to, when you go into a negotiation is to be clear because anytime that you have any emotions at all, it clouds your ability to think. So the clearer you are when you go in, it allows you to be more agile through that conversation, which which kind of decreases your emotions to it. So a mentor can really help that mm. process so that they get really clear. I like that idea of the, the mentor can help kind of diffuse some of the emotions to get to what's really happening with the other person that you are having this dialogue or negotiation with. Are there other words that you use beyond negotiation? Like, are there ways to help people think about it that like where the word itself may be a trigger that's hard for them to even realize like, oh, I'm meeting with my boss for my performance review. And like the three of us are probably like, well, that's a negotiation, but that might be scary for some people to think about it that way. Yeah, I do like people to start labeling everything as a negotiation because it really is. So that's Mm. one, but just going into any conversation, it's internal influence as well. And knowing where you stand in the organization helps you know how to approach a senior leader or how you're perceived. And so I think that's really powerful for people internally within businesses is to consider how they look from the outside. And so that is all around feedback and seeing if people come to you, asking you questions and thinking about that influence that you have to move into those conversations. So I think influence is a big one, especially in the mentor-mentee relationship that you can use. But I want everybody to use that word and just apply it to a conversation. You know what? Think about it this way. If you're going to your peer and you wanted to, like you both have priorities that you really need to talk about, let's negotiate our priorities. You hear that you think, I'm saying, I'm interested to hear what's important to you. You're signaling to the other side. When you keep it to yourself and you don't say the word, then it does feel like I'm going to, I'm going to figure out what their priorities are. And I'm going to make sure that, that I dupe them, get mine. But when you put it out there and have the conversation, it feels like you're being Let's put all our cards on the table and let's figure this out. That does become pretty powerful to me in, at least in certain circles, I hear it get thrown around a lot, mostly as a joke, but like when you say you dupe somebody, it's like, oh, I just art of the deal to you. You know, it's, uh, yeah. it's and, it, and that's very much not a negotiation is where there are a lot of shadows in a quote unquote, like deal where you pull something over somebody. Yeah. But I, I guess you're right though, like a different term, like artigation or negotiate. 
maybe that doesn't really like <laughs> bring out what you're trying to do here in a negotiation. Negotiate. Yeah. <laughs> I love that though. That like, that would be a great way to kind of dispel. You're right. How, how can we do this in a, in a way that empowers people to move forward? For visual learners, negotiate mm-hmm. with visual learners, right? Because it's like yeah. it is, you know, very cerebral. But yeah. I have like <laughs> no, 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 Julie. I, I got, I got the next business idea. I Susan, can't wait. The book, you're a writer. Finger paint and negotiate. Yeah, <laughs> do it same time. You know, now, now you can't go on your phone because you got paint your fingers. You know, so you're in the moment. You know, and your emotions will come through. You can have Bob Ross in the background, who's also our spirit guide for. Uh, mentoring vision, you know, you, you'd be on to something. I, I'm writing it down. Yeah. I, I, like as soon as we're off here, I'm going. I haven't finger painted for so long. And you're right. It would keep your intention right there. And you could see Plus, the I think it would also painting with and know. Bring it headed. down to like a very basic level, right? Because it's like these negotiation skills that you are using all the time, but you don't have a framework for it. Like even since we've been having this conversation now, I thought of like a hundred different negotiations I've been in, you know, over the course of the week. And how do, am I not, I'm not, I don't have a framework for it. I haven't read your book yet, which I'm going to do, but how do I have a framework for it? Or how do I know also how to do negotiations with good intentions? Cause I think we're talking quite a bit about like the shadowy, you know, like Jimmy and I negotiate a lot, right? We're business partners. Like we're negotiating for our time. We're negotiating for our ideas, but it's not like, I mean, you know, it's not like I have a malicious intent with trying to like push my idea. On I mean, Julie calls it negotiate. I call it capitulate. You know, we move on. So. But yeah, it's really interesting, right? It's like, how do you, how do you yeah. also, you know, negotiate with good intentions as well? I mean, that's that you yeah. are, you know, hopefully the vast majority of the time negotiating with good intentions. You're just trying to move things forward too, which I think some organizations can get stuck without moving things forward because you're so busy in the like, no, no, you go ahead, you go ahead. Especially women-owned businesses, honestly, that you can get quite stuck without without moving forward. So you need to be able to move forward with negotiating. But I like your idea about really democratizing the word and making it, people mm-hmm. feel more comfortable with it. Yeah. Susie, is there something where I'm, I'm take, putting on my CFO hat for a moment, you know, the difference between like a, a profit and loss is, you know, over time, but a balance sheet is like a snapshot. Is a negotiation almost always like, a snapshot it's like hey let's let's huddle up here now and how are we feeling as opposed to you know i don't know what you call like when you do negotiate I, i'm building on julie's comment like on a weekly basis or a daily basis you know it, is that then almost something different because it's more of a continuum than like this mm-hmm. one digital like we're here we're in it we got two hours something needs to happen at the end hence we are negotiating because Something's going to happen at the end. Yeah. That's so interesting because, you know, even in doing deals, the negotiation doesn't happen in the room. You know, that's not the only place it starts. Mm. It can start really. I have a friend that negotiates for a consulting firm and his favorite kind of like, I, I believe that everybody kind of has their favorite like party trick that they uh, use. Like negotiation. Silence. Yeah. Silence or leverage or, and his is anchoring. And so he goes, this is what I do. I, at the very first conversation that we have, we're at lunch and we're just kind of like getting to know one another. And I'll just say, Hey, you know, I've done a deal like this. This kind of feels like this. It, it was about a half a million dollars, you know, and just kind of throw something out there because it's kind of getting that person used to the, to the number. It's not like saying, I'm going to try to take you for all that you have. It's getting them to kind of go, okay, it's helping them understand. Okay. Now I understand, maybe if I've never done a deal as is consulting, this is the range that I'm looking at. And it kind of seeds that idea really early so that when they get to the negotiation, he's already kind of put it out there. And I just think that's an interesting way of thinking about how it goes from the very first conversation and it's all about the relationship and how you want to get to the end. So to answer your question, that's really interesting. I guess in the way you live within yourself and you're facing your day, I think there's such a power in, in even looking at your calendar and going, okay, I'm meeting with this person. What's the purpose of the meeting? What, what do I need out of this? And being thoughtful about your approach. And so you might argue that that's, I'm not a CFO. So like when the the balance sheet versus the, 
You know, it's not like I'm always on and going, okay, who am I going to take advantage of today? Like, who do I have the best? Let, let me look at the whole calendar. Who's the most susceptible to my wicked ways? You know, it's not like I'm trying, but I, I think just being thoughtful about what I want and, and what opportunities are. It's not like I'm trying to get a million dollars from everybody that comes into my, my purview, but because I'm intentional about what I want, then I'm more open to say, Hey, Hey, Jimmy, I know we're meeting today. Let's be really clear. I want, by the end, I'd love for us to both agree on this. And that's kind of where my head is. Or I have a big ask for you. Can you make an introduction for me? And then like, how am I going to frame that for that person? So they don't feel like I'm manip. I want to have coffee with you. I want to spend time with you, but I do have one thing I'd really like to talk to you about today. So you're kind of see that it's the balance of the relationship. It's not like I'm being disingenuous of not wanting to spend time with you, but I may have an alternative, alternative, you know what I'm trying to say. I might have a motive Motive. that you're not aware of. How am I going to put that in? So I want to be thoughtful about that. And I think about the relationship. Well, and the word that keeps coming up too is boundaries for me. I feel like as we're talking about these different words, because I do think when you're coming into a certain level of a negotiation, you are drawing your own personal boundaries or, or your financial boundaries. I, um, in my other hat, I run a consulting firm as well. So that definitely resonated with me, but we definitely, you know, we have our boundaries in terms of our price, in terms of our timelines, Mm -hmm. in terms of our deliverables. So we have that kind of going into these conversations Mm -hmm. and that is obviously on the professional level, but also on the personal level, right? Like, what are you not going to do? What are you not willing to do? Yeah. And how do you really connect with yourself to know that as you go into the conversation? Is that, is that Mm -hmm. come up? before boundaries and negotiation? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And being, you, you said it so clearly Uh, in your business life, you know, the boundaries and they actually say you're, you're a better negotiator if you don't negotiate in ambiguity. Cause when you know where you're going, you can just be really clear. Listen, these are our numbers. If this is, if this doesn't fit for you, that's fine. No harm, no foul. And I think you're right. Those boundaries too, about what's important to you. You know, I'm not really interested in going to that party with a bunch of people I don't know. Have fun. I, it sounds really fun for you, but it doesn't for me. So just being clear about that. Which is so hard for many small businesses or when people are making a new product, they don't have any boundaries. So they're just like, oh, you want to buy it? Oh, we'll try to figure it out. Or they'll try to like hope something massive will change and it becomes such a waste of resources. Which I, you mentioned to us before, Susie, that you recently had a, a call with one of your daughters, maybe it was your eldest, about an annual review that was coming up. And like speaking about boundaries and being a young company or somebody young in their career, it's a very common question for a mentor to receive. I have an annual review coming up. You know, oh snap, what am I supposed to do? What does this mean? I think we've now pretty clearly defined in our conversation that it's a negotiation, your annual review, regardless of what is said to you. What were some of uh, you know the strategies that you gave your daughter and that some of our listeners might be able to take away as well? Sure, sure. So just to give some context, she's actually my youngest daughter. So I'm going to totally tell you, like, you'll figure out my age. So she's 24 <laughs> and she has been in a professional career since she got out of college. So probably two years and her annual review is coming up. And her boss had signaled to her through the year that she had been doing really well. She knew that she had taken on more responsibilities. So she called me and said, mom, I want to make sure they know that I want more than just the, the minimum, the standard. I, this is my expectation. So instead of waiting for the annual review where I had a a friend say to me recently, how am I supposed to negotiate? I just have to say, thank you. Because (laughs) by the time you have that meeting, it's been done very often. So there really isn't time to negotiate. So she went to her boss early, knowing when the annual review was going to be happening and just said to her, listen, I know, I just wanted to, I know you're going into annual reviews. I just wanted to make my case again you know that I've taken on more responsibility this year and, and I know that you're going to fight for me. So if there's anything you need from me to help your, cause she knew that she'd be going to, you know, the, the, the people who make the decisions about her whole department. And so that signaled to the boss that this is her expectation, but it wasn't in a like challenging way. It was just in a really constructive way. And then um, before the annual review, she asked me to have a call to talk about if she says this and it's only one to 5%, I'll be disappointed. 
what am I going to say? What else could I ask for? If it's in the middle and it's like the standard, what is my response going to be? And if it's great and unexpected, what am I going to say as well? Because she wanted to have kind of like, and she actually wrote it down and, and wanted to kind of state it, not to manipulate. She just didn't want to surprise herself and not say something that was important to her. Even saying to her boss, I really appreciate, I know this was hard for you to fight for me. I know this was, so being thoughtful about the relationship and instead of reactionary to the conversation. So not accidentally jump on a couch up and down yelling how much she loves her boss. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I want to go back to, it's bugging me. I want to answer your question about another word to use for negotiation because it's leverage. And I think I almost called the book leverage instead of negotiation, because if you just look at all the things that are in front of you and think about what are all the leverage components that are in play, and even if you're not going to use them, but if you go like, what are all the things that I bring to the table? And you just take the time to kind of think about those or what's important to the other side. You're expanding the pie, as they say, right? You're giving alternatives and it allows you to be more confident in that moment because you have, you know what the alternatives are, you know what the options are. So leverage is really important to consider. I want to put that in there. I love that. I love that. And actually that probably brings us to another segment that we wanted to do, which was a bit of a, like role play. I think thinking about, because I would love to get a little bit of an example of what it is that people have as leverage. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we could sort of do those together. Yeah, that sounds good. So the way I talk about my framework, just to give this to you, to give you a little bit, as I tell you the scenario, is it, it's called PACE and it's prepare, aware, close, and evaluate. And so it's, a way to think about every conversation. We love acronyms. Prepare, aware, close, and evaluate. And it's being thoughtful about the pace of the negotiation too. Like what is, how is it going to feel as I go in? How am I going to stay in? So pace has kind of two uh, applications there. So it's before you go in preparing, what are all the, the leverage pieces in play? What are the interests that are all pieces of leverage that, of the other party, what's important to me, how am I going to feel, how is the other person going to feel, what if they're surprised, what if they're mad, what if they're busy, what am I going to do? And then aware is, you know, if you've done a great job preparing in the moment, it's all about being, okay, this is my plan that my past self made for me. How is it working for the other person? Have they, have I made my case? Are they going to say, what do they need? What additional data do they need to say yes? And then let's get to an agreement. So it's being really aware of the other person and and your emotion. And then close is, what is the agreement going to be? When are they ready? When are they ready to say? And let's, okay, that, that sounds good. That's what our agreement is. And then evaluate is so many, so often, especially high stakes negotiation that makes us nervous. We just want to like, okay, that's done. I never want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. But when we evaluate what we did good, then we can start to use that language and we can say silence worked really well, or I need to slow down. I need to do this differently. So, so any questions about it before we put you on the spot with a scenario? Oh my God. Julie questions. Yikes. Um, I do love the evaluation too, because that also, I think, allows you to reflect and share your experience with others. I think going back to the mentoring piece, I think that's always the best part of doing any kind of an evaluation. Absolutely. But that was just my thought because I'm trying to procrastinate. Our and scenario. that's exactly right. Is It's so powerful to have somebody on the outside to help you all the way through because of those emotions. And so that evaluate can be a perfect place for mentors to resync with their mentees. Yeah. I was thinking through the, the other comment we had about negotiating with hostility and how we could u- utilize pace for that. And maybe I can show the uh, the poor example of going through a negotiation because you could call pace prime, anger, confuse, and eliminate. And that would be <laughs> not... That's Susie's next book. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Co-author. You're a co-author. It's called Decimate. <laughs> yeah. No, P- pace through finger painting. We will eliminate each other by the end of the session. All, Sometimes all we come up with good ones, I don't know. I don't know. We're going down a, a bizarre path. 
I never knew it'd be like this with so many ideas or addition. Always to a lot three. of ideas. It's yeah. I love it. All right. So the scenario, let's, let's, let's talk about this. So mm-hmm. you are going into budget season and you own the business piece. You're newer to the organization. You're in charge of sales and they've asked you to really take on additional, you know, really push revenue up. So you need to negotiate with the finance guy who has already made a public statement, 5%, no more, and you need 8%. So you've asked for a separate conversation with the finance guy or the CFO. So this should be right up your alley, Jimmy. Um, Yeah, no, 5%. (laughs) I'm great on the finance side. So what would you do? What would you do? What would be some of the things you would think about when you're preparing for the conversation? So Julie, I think we should first talk to our mentor, Susie Tominchuk, and find some time to at least like five minutes on why already the finance guy would have said 5% is the number. Where, where, Where is this coming from? What has happened historically? And maybe like what pressures are on the finance individual at this time? Mm, I like that. So we got we to gotta book some time with Susie. <laughs> Ask others. It's yeah. a good place to start. Uh, should we go on YouTube and watch YouTube videos about how to negotiate? No, no. Wait, <laughs> she told us not to do that. Let's not do that. Don't, don't Google, don't Google uh, how to negotiate. Mm-hmm. I think I'd want to understand um, what could we actually work with? Like what would would what he want be actually feasible for us? Like, could we get done what we need to get done in that amount mm-hmm. so that we know? And if not, then what is our threshold that we can or cannot get done what we need to get done? Can we be flexible too? And, and maybe um, what other motivations does a finance guy have? Like are our incentives aligned, meaning we both want to grow the business or is that some of the pressures Maybe the maybe there's some family stuff going on where the finance guy isn't coming into the office as much. Maybe he doesn't have the most up-to-date information. What does the finance guy, what time of day is his blood sugar the highest? And what time of day does he get? Because some people, you know, they're kind of afternoon people. Some people are morning people. So let's book the meeting when he's. Mm, that's a good prepare. Yeah. But we still haven't prepared for, all right, when the individual says to us, Julie, it's 5%, what are we going to say? Because it's probably going to start that way. He's already signaled 5% publicly. Yeah. So why wouldn't he just say that again? Be like, great, thanks for being here at the organization. We like what you're doing. Yeah, you only get a 5% raise in a, in, in a headcount. What do we say? I guess... Well, do you I like coffee? <laughs> how are your kids? Do you know how great we are? I think, well, I think that would be the point where we really make our case, right? Susie, where we're mm-hmm. able to say like, actually, if we had 7%, 8%, then this is the actual kind of impact we would be able to make knowing that he's a finance guy. We'd have to make it very clear about the investment side, the potential you know, growth based on that investment, what our projections are. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I don't know, Susie, do we validate what he says? I think we do. I think we say, you know what? Should we give him a name? What's his name? Chuck? Yeah. What is it? Oh, to me, every, every consultant you negotiate with is Bob and Bob from uh, office space. Yeah. Okay. So we'll say, Bob, I hear that you're saying 5% and I know that that's because of X, Y, and Z that's happened, but what we really want to talk to you about today is how we imagine seven or 8% and what we could imagine that growth to be. Because it's all about making Bob look like a rock star. Yes. We want Bob to get props, kudos, awards, and high fives, right, Jim? And understand Bob, hopefully we've already you know, prepared, know, you know Bob needs to show a certain amount of ROI this year mm-hmm. or an ROI of net operating income this year and within five years. We can say it might be a bit lower this year, but on our plan, if it happens a bit lower this year because of our 8%, we're then going to show outsized revenue and profit margin in year two and three, mm-hmm. which is what Bob wants because Bob needs raises and bonuses on his stock options. 
Jimmy, we'd be like really good negotiators together because I'm very like charming and distracting and I say a lot of stuff and then he just brings in numbers and then it's like, yeah. Yes. Right. This guy knows what he's talking about. Also, who's Bob's stakeholder? Who is Bob's stakeholder? What does the CEO want and what is motivates the yeah. CEO that's going to make Bob look like a rock star? So that's the most important thing is making Bob look like a rock star. You can see I work in client service. <laughs> is not about us okay well so how are we doing so far on like yeah. air slash aware what have we missed yeah so what i observed is and what people don't realize is negotiation is all about creativity and when you're not emotional you can spend time being really creative i loved how you explored different things what are bob's interests what's important to to, to him i would also add probably precedent you know, if he does this one yeah. time, how does that make him look? You know, a finance guy, you, uh-huh. you guys touched on, he's already publicly said 5%. So how are we going to help him have the story of why he made this exception? And like you said, Julie, too, is um, what, what we are align our, our objectives or our goals. And if we hit this, because he'll want to know, like, let's make a promise. If we hit this, then maybe we can ratchet up. Maybe give me 6% now and 7% in second quarter. And like, if you give him, if you allow yourself to show that you're going to give and take, that also helps the other person want to give back the reciprocity. Reciprocity, reciprocity. Signaling that, but... And also going into it, I I, I love you touched on the frame of it. Hey, listen, I know you've already said that it's 5% across the board. I really respect that. I know that that's really important for the business. And I know that da, 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 da. And showing that empathy and making sure that they know you understand their perspective. And what I'd like to explore with you is, you know, this is, here's my perspective. I have to grow the business to this. And so I'm trying to, can you help me troubleshoot here? Like, how am I going to do this? How could we work together so that we both could get? So it's going into, you guys were great. Like you started, like the more you sit in it, the more you're kind of uncoupling all the areas of interest and and leverage. And you know what I really took away from that also was how much slower and less fun it would have been if I did that on my own. I mean, I I was actually surprised. I kind of timed us. So it took about like three minutes for Julie and I to you know go to the moon and back there, uh, but it, that would take me a lot. That's probably, I probably would have been like thirty minutes of trying to like think through of not having somebody to yes and with. Because mm-hmm. I feel like on my own when I'm thinking about being in somebody else's shoes, it's a lot more of like, but no instead of yes and. My self talk mm-hmm. is not quite as <laughs> my self talk is not as collaborative. And I, do you find that often for people as they're going to think about others? Yeah. And you know, you, you started talking first and you said, I don't know what we're going to do because he's just, he's stated it and it's 5%. Like you're right. It it took yourself to un kind of like, okay, let's think about this broader. Absolutely. That's why I think it's so important to label something a negotiation because we need help. We need to have somebody else to help us kind of think it through or that that doesn't make sense. And what a great thing for a mentor and mentee to do because it allows you to kind of think out loud, anticipate some things. What if we catch Bob and he is after lunch and he's about to fall asleep? Let's say, hey, I see that you have a lot going on or you're going to talk to me. Right? Okay, so <laughs> I, see, I see that your <laughs> eyes are closed. We're going to come back later. But you also want to have a plan in case it isn't going well. Or what, what is that? You know, you don't want to push forward if he just got really bad news about something. You know, you have to you have to get outside of yourself to be able to go, okay, what's plan B? Plan A is not working well. So you have to be agile to, to really make sure that you're going to be successful. So yes, it is. When I do a simulation and people go head to head, and then I have them, the two different uh, groups, strategize together. There's so much power in what the collective comes up with. Mm, wow. 
So really quickly, because we couldn't didn't have time to get to like the closing of the conversation and then evaluate after, what are like a point or two for each that's critical to be like, okay, we're leaving with an agreement and then afterwards for the person to think about, hey, this is how the, how the entire process went. Yeah. So negotiations are riddled with, with bad communication. Like it is like the, the thing that we assume they're saying yes to. So closing is about being really clear about what you agree to and saying and, and getting them. I, I hear that you're, it seems like we're really close. It seems like we have an agreement. This is what I'm hearing. And then making sure that you put your commitment down in paper, however that's going to be. And often I'll say, I just want to make sure we're both clear on this. So as soon as I'm done, I'm going to just shoot you an email with my assumptions just so we can finalize this. Helps me too, because I forget things of what we agreed to before. And now I have that and memorialized. And then evaluate. I think in any conversation, we have revisionist history quickly. It happens quickly. Um, so I always tell people, even after a difficult conversation, write down everything that was said, all the words they used, all the things that, all the things that you can just kind of put it all down and then come back to it a couple hours later and work through it with somebody. Think about what you did well, kind of read what they said. And then that way you have a snapshot that you haven't adjusted in your mind. Because for me, life kind of moves on and I marinate um, and reality kind of moves morphs as time goes on. So being really thoughtful about that and then looking back on those notes as a part of your preparation the next time, because it's a circle, right? We're all increasing our, our skills. I always seem to remember the good parts of the conversation, not the bad parts. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> My team is like, wait, I don't think they said that. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Susie, this was so this is so fascinating. I had not ever really made that deep connection between negotiation, boundaries, and then the role of a mentor to help you or a mentee. Even as you're talking, you know what we learn, of course, is that mentees teach you as much as as you do as mentors do. So as you're even having these conversations, you learn as well. So making talking about negotiation part of potentially mentoring conversations. Uh, how important that is, because like you said, it's always, it's all, you're always in negotiation uh, and the art of negotiation. So I really applaud you for bringing this word. Like it's like sales, you know, like bringing this word to where it's like, no, we have to be talking about this and we have to have language around it. So I just loved our time together today. Thank you. And Susie, I have one, one very quick uh, rapid fire word association with you. Okay. So I'm going to ask you about four different words. As you said, like, I'm very into words. Uh, and uh, just whatever comes to mind. Uh, okay. You can't finger paint this what, your, your way out of this one. Okay, we've got to just, just say it. So if I say mentor, what would you say? Support. Support. How about if I say mentee? Growth. Growth. Sponsor. Oh, sponsor. Advocate. You could have said a MasterCard. It would have been fine, too. American <laughs> Express. Uh, I say coach. Outside perspective. Oh, that's not one word. No, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Susie. This has been an absolute blast. Oh, it has been for me too. And and to your point too, for mentors, just getting the stories. I love to hear people's stories about negotiation because the reason it's something that is an art, not a science, is that every conversation is different, every person, every situation. So we are all growing all the time. And so I love to hear people's stories. Um, well, and I can tell you for sure between the two of us, I'm going to be the first one to read this book and I am going to use all the tactics on Jimmy to get him to come visit me <laughs> and play pickleball with me. Well, well you remember it, it's collaborative, Julie. Negotiation collaborative. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Well played. I give you both an A. Yeah. <laughs> We're both anchoring hard in different harbors. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Oh, Susie, thank you so, so much. It was great to meet you. Jimmy, I got to be honest. I feel like I learned so much on this episode. As much as Samuel L. Jackson and Kevin Spacey going at it with verbal dialogue and barbs that would keep a 15-year-old wide awake late at night. 
So you're telling me you watched the negotiation last night after we did our That's a negotiation. <laughs> the negotiator. Oh, okay. Everything is negotiation, but not everybody is a negotiator. Well, I have to say, I've been deep watching The Offer. Have you heard of The Offer? Do you know it? No, it sounds it's, scary. It sounds like little girls crawling on all four like limbs. I'm not into it. it. It's a 10 episode series on Paramount Plus about the making of The Godfather. And when we were talking about the negotiations, I kept thinking of the offer that you can't refuse. So Susie really connected for me was that, oh my God, everything is a negotiation. And we're negotiating nonstop with each other, with all of our like colleagues, with our clients, with our loved ones with ourselves. I hadn't even thought of it that way. It kind of blew my mind. Today, I crossed the street and I realized I was negotiating with traffic. <laughs> How'd that go? You made it back. That's good. Actually, the first time Fiona and I did not make it across the street, the person came to the stop sign and then stopped and then just kept going within like a foot of me. And I just turned around and the person like, I guess, didn't see me and you know, whatever. I realized that at that time I was not prepared to negotiate with this new individual. So uh, I turned around and walked back and then we attempted a second time, which is a great example of practice. Yes. And you need to know these principles. Susie's book, The Art of Negotiation Without Manipulation, sorry, The Art of Everyday Negotiation Without Manipulation has lots of tips and tricks and tools and rubrics. And one of the ones that she brought up to us during this whole negotiation, and this is more for you know real negotiations, not just crossing the street, is this idea of pace, prepare, aware, close, and evaluate, which I love because it kind of helps you think about like preparing as you're going into the conversation, mm -hmm. being really aware of what the other person is um, saying and really practicing active listening, getting to the close of like, what is the agreement going to be? And then evaluating how you did. So I think that rubric or that framework is really helpful even as you're thinking about kind of these everyday negotiations. Agreed. I think it's important for us to quickly define negotiation and manipulation because I was a little confused mm -hmm. at that at times. Go and the, the definition that I like and that my uh, query culture search gave back to me was negotiation involves listening, communication, empathy, and a willingness to give and take. Ooh, not just an offer you can't refuse. Exactly. It seems there, a bit one-sided. There's no horse involved in this. And it's, it, it was really interesting that the first word here was listening. I wouldn't have necessarily thought that when I first came to negotiation as a term <laughs> recently. And the next, manipulation is deceptive and results in a winner and a loser. So just as the term manipulation, it means you are not fully sharing in that there is no potential for a win-win and that manipulators have no regard for the other person's feelings and rather use trickery to get what they want. So just by bringing empathy and realizing there is another human involved, it totally changes how you are going to think about that word negotiation and it stops becoming a dirty word. Which is key. It's like sales. It's like there's so many words that people just feel like, oh, that's like a yucky, dirty word. But if you're thinking of a negotiation as a way that two people are able to get to a win-win in a situation, it is definitely not a dirty word. And it helps you connect authentically with others. It's like when you're playing sports right at the end. I mean, I guess there's winners and losers. But at the end, you're really able to connect with each other. You've had this experience together and now you've gotten through it. So I think that's part of how negotiation helps you connect more authentically with others. And then a second takeaway that I got was really realizing that everything is a negotiation. And in the end, negotiation is just leverage, utilizing planning and empathy. So as you were talking about sort of the idea around listening, which we know is one of the main principles in mentoring, also is empathy. So you're, you're really thinking things through and you're really understanding where the other person's um, point of view is coming from. Which is also the P in pace. It's the first part of Susie's framework for negotiation. It's planning and so or and preparing. So you you really need to get in the shoes of the other individual, the other party, and begin to realize that even though you want to negotiate on the objective principles of something, there will be emotions involved. And most importantly, understand where the other person is coming from. And that's gonna help everything stay objective and help diffuse emotions. And 
when you realize that the entire interaction with the other individual is a negotiation all the way from maybe lunch before the afternoon meeting or the drink after the afternoon meeting, whatever it is, it's still part of the negotiation, which is really, you know, beginning a relationship to then coming to an agreement. That's the definition I took away of negotiation, where it is a set of time where you begin to know somebody and realize you are working towards an agreement. And then when that agreement occurs, that is a negotiation. And Julie, you and I have had, I don't know, infinite, double the infinite amount of negotiations now in our short career here as as augmenters. I was just reflecting on on the negotiations that we've had from everything from, you know, negotiating our time and negotiating what we're doing moving forward and all that. I think we've done pretty well. I mean, you, you're, you're kind to acquiesce to me a lot of the time. But yeah, I think it's really important. I think I'm very excited that we're both going to have this framework so we can actually like use it in our conversations, which is really cool. And it, this is all such a big piece of Augmenter's principle of mentoring number four, the pitch. When you realize that as soon as you meet somebody, you have entered into a negotiation because you're going to have an agreement at some point. Whether that agreement is to wave goodbye as you say hello to new people in the park, like I did this morning. Regardless, it's, it's a negotiation because you should be listening, you should commute how you're feeling, and you should really try to care about the other person's emotions and how that person is feeling. And when you realize we can all win and build a bigger pie and share the pie, you're well on your way to being more like Samuel L. Jackson and Kevin Spacey. That's probably a good place to be, relatively speaking. I think also the pitch comes to pitching mentors. You're already in a negotiation with somebody that you potentially want to be your mentor, whether that's negotiating around how much time, how much interaction you're going to have, what you're going to talk about, what confidentiality is going to be shared, what this person maybe is or isn't going to do for you or with you. So you're already in a negotiation in the pitching the relationship to have with a mentor. So using some of these principles, you don't want to manipulate them, but you want to create a win-win, which is really what mentoring relationships are. So remember, this podcast has now helped you become a better manager of your future negotiations. Management is about people doing the things right. You now have tips on how to be a better negotiator, but leadership is about people doing the right things and the right thing to do is find somebody new to enter into a mentoring relationship. There's nothing else to say. That's brilliant. Mic drop. Negotiate on. <laughs> I'll <I'm> <laughs> out. Say it twice. Negotiate. Wow, you've made it this far, and we thank you. Hopefully, you enjoyed our episode and discovered new ways to bring more authentic connection into your mentoring relationships. Want to tell them more, Jimmy? Be an augmenter with us. Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us. Share our podcast with someone you care about. Like and subscribe. And yes, really, you following our show and writing a review, it's a big deal. Your actions provide us with the resources to continue our undefeated, unencumbered, prize-winning productions. We welcome questions and suggestions via email, hi at augmenters.us or on social with our handle at AugmentersHQ. We are most active and available on LinkedIn and YouTube. Shout out an earnest thank you to our intrepid producer, Erlen Cato. We appreciate you. Augmenters out. See ya.